Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Rosillo and I'm the host of the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the games. Today, we have the absolutely amazing Caleb Wakefield of Inline Speed Skating, Team USA Inline Speed Skating. Very interesting, uh, a very interesting story, everything that he's been through, everything that he is doing and how the potential of inline speed skating could be coming to the Olympics uh, within the next few years, potentially next few cycles. So we will see. But Caleb's super amazing dude. Um, I'm going to make sure I put all his, as everyone, I'm going to make sure to put all of his uh, socials in the show notes because he has some pretty incredible stuff going on. He's a business owner. He's just a all around smart dude and motivational speaker. He's incredible. So please, without further ado, enjoy this episode with Caleb Wakefield. All right, today, very special guest, Caleb Wakefield of Inline Speed Skating, USA Inline Speed Skating, Olympic hopeful for the 2020 Games. We're crossing our fingers, man. Born January 17th, 1997. Oh, Caleb, I forgot to ask you, where were you born? I was born in Tacoma, Washington, residence out of Enumclaw, Washington. Look at that, Tacoma. That's I, I've been to the airport. I think that's really all I know about Tacoma, but it, <laughs> Seattle was great. Sorry. I don't know. Um, started in line speed skating at the age of eight, uh, currently obtaining an associate's degree. Congratulations on that from green river college. He's a partner in a health and wellness company looking to get into some motivational speaking and I will have everything in the show notes, but I highly suggest you check out his LinkedIn page. He won a bronze and a silver medal at the 2016 world championships for inline at in the world championships, obviously in inline speed skating. Caleb, Thanks for hanging out with us today, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. It's great to be here, and it's great to uh, just chat and tell the sport of inline speed skating. I love it, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm very very curious about what you're up to. Obviously, as I said, I see on the internet all the time. Um, also very curious just about inline speed skating. And, I mean, I guess we'll just start there. I mean, going back to beautiful Tacoma, Washington, the Pacific Northwest, a place I love so, so much. Um, I guess just start there. I mean, everybody, like what kid doesn't? rollerblade right like so i'm kind of curious like what then made you just keep on going yeah so uh, it's, it's crazy you know i grew up being homeschooled so a little bit about my life my parents didn't put me into public school i was homeschooled or i was private school one of the two so in the beginning when i was about six or seven uh we were i was in homeschool and my homeschool skating or homeschool organization they would do a cheap skate night at our local skating rink so we, we, my brothers and I, we would always go and it was just, it was just fun. We were just rollerblading. Like, as he said, every kid loves rollerblading. So we were there and my brothers were invited to join the speed team there. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, well, that's cool. That's cool that they're going to do the speed team. And so they joined a year, year into it. I was just watching it. I never joined with them right away, but after a year, I was just watching them. I was like, that's something I want to do. I enjoy skating. I see some of my friends are starting to get into it. You know, I just, I got to try this. I, I have to see what happens. So what I did was I said, mom, dad, I want to do this. I want to, I want to be like my brothers. I want to go and compete. I want to race. I just want to have fun. And they were like, okay, here, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll fund you for it. And we'll, we'll see where it goes. So at the moment I, or at that time I started, I started just doing the local things, skating with the team. Um, I was bumped up to the senior team cause there's a senior and junior team pretty much right away. Cause my brothers and my dad were skating. Uh, yeah, that's another thing that was interesting. My dad was doing it too. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. It's a family sport now. But uh, they bumped me up the senior team. So I was always chasing somebody. I was always going after somebody. So I had that drive. I had that excitement in me with, uh, with what I was doing. So fast forward a couple of years, I kept on doing the local meets. Um, this is about four or five years into it. 
Um, so I, I was doing those races and I was pretty decent. I was being competitive. I was getting a couple thirds and seconds here and there. And then fast forward a couple more years and we're about eight years into it. And that's when I started winning some, um, in national events. Uh, I started winning some races. I never took home a national title. I don't think other than an outdoor, but in this was, Oh, I should also, I should also back up a little bit and say, the thing with inline speed skating is there's two dedications to it. There's an inline portion, which is in the roller rinks on the wood. And then there's an outdoor portion. The outdoor portion is the one that I'm focused on mainly right now. But the outdoor contains a track that's about 200 meters and a road portion that could be anywhere from 300 to, I want to say 600. But honestly, they try keeping it within the 400, 500 range just because that's the most competitive. That's the Mm -hmm. best racing they get. But what I when I started I only did indoor for about eight years I only did indoor and that's what I thought was the peak was the best thing was the only thing that could get you anywhere and it wasn't until when my friends on the team started doing outdoor that I was like oh, I guess I should try outdoor um, so after doing some national events for indoor and stuff I finally said okay I'm doing outdoor I go to outdoor nationals and I was a freshman that year I was um, the division right before my um, chance to make teams, so the junior division. And so I was there, I was skating, I was like, man, this is actually pretty fun. This outdoor stuff is really cool. It's it's different than indoor. And so about nine, nine years in, nine, yeah, about nine, ten years in, I was just racing. I was just having fun. I was enjoying it. I was actually meddling a lot more in outdoor than I was indoor, which was a big, big thing for me. It was like, whoa, I'm meddling outdoor. And I'm not meddling as much indoor. This is actually something that I have more, I don't want to say a natural talent for, but just something that I've, um, I like more. I, I just, I have that passion towards. So I, so I went with it. Um, it wasn't until probably, ooh, 2011, 2012, I would say that my, my coach now, who uh, at the time was, a friend that was helping me and my brother with our technique and stuff for outdoor. He said, Hey, I'm doing a training camp in, in Germany and there's going to be some racing there. I was like, Oh, I've never traveled outside of the country before. This I, not even Mexico or Canada. I, you know what? Let's, let's, let's try it. So my parents, we all talked about it. And the, my mom and dad said, Hey, we're going to send you and Colin over with them. And I want you guys to learn as much as you can and race and have fun. And that just set me on a, mm-hmm. oh, I, a roller coaster. Ah. I, it's been ups downs everywhere i've and uh, it's crazy because that one trip to germany has sent me all over the world now Mm -hmm. i've gone to asia i've gone to europe i've gone to um actually have yeah so with that so i haven't been to africa or south america yet which is in the books and it's in the plan um i'm looking at probably going down to Colombia for a bit because that's pretty much where the best in the world are right now I mean, there's guys spread out from around mm-hmm. the world, but Colombia breeds skaters. They, they love speed skating. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, to, to give a little fact on that is out with outdoors, there's only three tracks in the U- United States, three tracks ever wow. built. Mm-hmm. One in Colorado, one in Florida, one in, what is it, like Wisconsin or something like mm-hmm. that, or mm-hmm. it's some, some, some weird place, maybe, maybe Minnesota. I don't know. It doesn't matter, though. Nobody skates it. But uh, in Colombia, they have tracks all around the world. Or all, not all around the world, but all around mm-hmm, their mm-hmm. country. Yeah, the country. And every city. So 
with that, it's just for me going down there is just another, just another learning curve, just something that I can learn more from. But as I said, it's, I go back and I look back at my life and I go from an eight year old kid having lived life uh, in the speed skating world for 14 years. It's amazing how far I've come and where I'm going and what's me be at this level. I, 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 I thought that indoors was the only thing and that that was the thing I was going to do for the rest of my life. But it turned out that, no, you're, you're going to continue going to higher and higher places. And it, to me, I was, so over the past eight years, it's, it's really been, it really has just traveling the world, meeting people from all over the world. And <laughs> obviously, uh, speed skating has done a lot for your life and you've been to, as you said, many places around the world and you're going to continue to go to many of these places and just learn and, and, and expand as a person, um, as well as an athlete. So I guess like what in lines, I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. I did not know the United States as a governing body for inline speed skating until I met you. So I guess like what, what is the inline speed skating community like? Like what, is there a specific aspect? I mean, it might just be kind of a silly question because so many different people from all around the world do this, but is there something that you can kind of put your finger on that might be able to distinguish, you know, you and your community between someone else in maybe not a negative way or a positive way, just in a, in a, in a different way? You know, it, there's, there's so much politics around our governing body and it's been so, I don't want to say bad, but it's had its ups, ups and downs. I mean, every, every organization does. I mean, you can just look at what yeah. recent news and stuff. Mm. But with ours, it's always been political. There's always been something that they always pushed or did something. But at the same time, they always loved the skater, which was amazing, which was great. Mm. Um, because that's what we want as skaters. We want their support and stuff. Now, they're not always on top of things. But lately, they've been changing a lot. And they've been... Uh, really focused on making our sport known and making it better, which is, which is what we want. Mm -hmm. We want more skaters. We definitely want their grassroots and stuff, which is amazing. The different to, to set us apart. I don't say there's too much other than what we're doing now is we're, we're working from the grassroots. We're really going down to the rinks. Now we're really trying to get skaters into this and promoting it by sending our U S athletes, myself or some of my other, other fellow skaters who are just as good mm -hmm. sending them out to these rinks and to inspire kids that are going, Hey, I, I, this looks fun. I would love to do this. And all of a sudden, Whoa, there's a world team member. There's a team USA member or a world medalist here. Oh, this is amazing. I, I want to be just like him. Um, but we're doing things like that. So that's the starting set us part a little bit more. Um, we're actually starting to actually put money back into our sport, which is a first in a long time since we were in debt for a while. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, it's just, I can't say there's really too much that differs from our organization. Uh, we're always mm -hmm. trying to work with the USOC to uh, better our sport, to allow more, um, I don't want to say sponsorships, but more funding for, I, mm -hmm. I should say, yeah, funding, exactly, for our sport which is really something that needs to be done because our sport is a right now is a feeder for ice olympic speed skating mm -hmm. that we are we i would say 90 percent of the u.s athletes are all inliners and so we're we're a feeder program to them which is to me is quite sad because 
to me, I find inline to be better than ice. Now mm-hmm. that's because I've done it for so long. I was going to say done, someone, someone might be a little biased. Come on. Exactly. Now. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the thing with it. But when you hear athletes saying, oh, I love inline more than ice when they've done it and stuff, it's just like, wow, okay, this is, this is interesting. But I mean, at the same time, we are a feeder program and that's, that's great though. I mean, it gets us, it gets our athletes into the Olympics. That's some, mm-hmm. some measure. So, yeah. um, but I think now that we're starting to work with the USOC a little bit more, things are starting to change. So mm-hmm. our organization is amazing and we're going to continue growing. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. The grassroots approach, like, like, as we said, like what kid at some point in their first like 10 years of life is not handed rollerblades. Like I personally never grew up in the city, yeah. so I don't know what that's like, but I mean, go to any small town in America, you're going to find a roller rink, right? Like you're going to find yeah. on Saturday and Sunday, a bunch of kids for a birthday party. Like it, it makes sense to then do that on a grassroots level and try and connect with them emotionally at a very young age so that they can kind of get the understanding that this is something it's not just, you know, you can go have fun on a Saturday, but you also can actually turn this into something. And obviously the more athletes we get into a program like this, the, the higher the competition because, uh, you know, uh, competition breeds excellence. So, you know, I always, I always like something like that. So that is really, really cool. So thank you for that nice little, um, understanding of you as a person, which I think is great, but then also kind of a little bit about your sport. I did not know that it was, it was such a big feeder program to ice uh, skating, but I guess again, just going back to the common knowledge that I already have, not every kid is handed a pair of ice skates. Not everyone mm-hmm. in America can you find an ice skating rink. What can you do? You can get inline skates. You can go on the road. You can hang out on the sidewalk. So, like, it just definitely makes sense. And it's surprising that you know not more money and and funding is put into your sport, and it's pretty disappointing and frustrating. But um, hey, it is what it is, and we 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 plow forward, man. So I guess let's talk about a little bit about um. 2016, obviously the world championships where you went out and you crushed it. You got a bronze and a silver. Congratulations on that. Um, tell us about that. I mean, what is it? What is the world stage like? I mean, how many people are at these events, especially as you said, in Colombia, it's like every other block, it sounds like there's a speed skate or a speed skating track, but what are these world events? Like, what is the, the vibe of the crowd? How many people are there? Just kind of try and immerse us into that situation with the emotions and the experience that you felt. Yeah. Oh, Wow. Yeah, that's that was a crazy year. Yeah. That was the first time in being in China for everybody. I mean, okay. the year before that, we were in Taiwan, which honestly, I don't count that as China at all. And it's, Neither do they, but that's, a, yeah, exa- that's, exactly. a, that's another exactly. discussion. No, we don't have to do uh, that one. But no, anyway. But yeah, the, the cultures were similar, but it was just, it was just another Asian part of Asia. And it was really cool it it was i mean i want what part say, i'm sorry i don't mean to cut you off what part of china were you in i, I like know the city, city the city was nanjing okay. um i don't know exactly where that's at in china well yeah because uh, that's like saying i've been to the united states it's like well <laughs> new york and la yeah they're <laughs> as big as cities as they are oh, yeah. <laughs> i'm just kind of curious just for uh again just yeah. for, for elaboration's sake but anyway i'm sorry keep no, going. definitely no um yeah, so the place we were at was Nanjing, China. I should mention this too. Um, they had the Junior Olympics there. I don't know what year, but that's they had it there. And they also built a speed skating track mm-hmm. there. So we had the facility pretty much of their Junior junior Olympic facility plus speed tra- skating track attached to it. Uh, we didn't get to actually use the full facilities because it was all under construction. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it was really cool. It was a cool experience being there and seeing that and just feeling the past vibes of mm-hmm. wow this 
this was what it was like for these athletes, these junior Olympic athletes and stuff. So that was really cool and not, but for this, for speed skating, for world championships, it really depends on where, where you're at in the world. Um, China, they did an all right job. They, uh, with their opening and closing ceremonies, uh, they weren't as big as some of the other world championships I've been to, but the, just the atmosphere of a country loving a sport when it's there is it's really cool uh it it was really cool to see that when we got to like the road portion or the marathon even through the city you had people watching you had people cheering just random people cheering whatnot it was really really it was it was honestly it was one of the nicest experiences i mean i was i was at the world championships in 2015 too but china what made it special was it was just different Mm-hmm. had a different vibe had a different atmosphere and people cared to a degree um but for like the- did you use that is that why you did so well that year or or was it just that <laughs> it was just your time no that so the meddling that year that was a that was a whole year if not two years of build up for that mm-hmm. okay. for me for me it was it happened the previous year so in 2015 at in Taiwan, uh, Kaohsiung, Taiwan, uh, I was set to race the 10K points uh, points race on road, which is every other lap. Once you hit a certain lap, it's every other lap you, you accumulate points. First person that crosses the line gets two points. Second person gets one point. And you just accumulate points as much as you can. And whoever has the most points at the end and wins, or, or not doesn't have to win, but stays in the race, they win. And then it just goes down from there with points-wise. But it was it was that race in 2015 that I got tenth in. But I was but I realized I was one point away from fourth place. And I was like, wow. wow, I could I could do so much better. I I mean I gave up one point in that race at the end, and that would have put me into fourth place. So it was from there. I was like, okay, I want to win this race this one, uh, one year. I, I just want to win it. This is what I want to do. And I looking back, I came in with the wrong mindset, but it worked. Also. <laughs> um, it, it was weird. However um, it works, man. Exactly. Mental game. Anyways, it was, uh, it was that year that I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. So next team trials, I came to, I went to outdoor nationals and me and my friend, we left the entire pack. There is, it was just nobody, we were untouchable. Um, I, especially me, he, he dropped off and I kept on going and I lapped everybody. And I was just like, wow, okay, this is my race. And I went to the coach cause we knew the coach and stuff. And I said to her, Hey, I'm going to win this race. I'm going to win this race at worlds. She's like, okay, you have it. You do whatever you have to do to win this race. And we're, we're with you. And so I had the support of the coaching team. And then I went to my coach, my actual coach, who was team manager that year, uh, four hours before this is 2016, before the world championships, four hours before my race, I said to him, Hey, here's my plan. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go off in the beginning. I'm going to get as many points as possible. And then I'm going to sit in the pack and just hang on for dear life. And he said, okay, I'm with you. And so from there, from that four hours before, we never talked about it again. We just said, all right, we got this. Because all before that, all after, um, or the time in between team trials and uh, the race, I was, I was putting through my head going, okay, what can go wrong? What can go right? I was visualizing. I was putting myself into the race and making sure I was doing everything I could to uh, get what I needed to or do whatever I needed to do, whatever needed to be done was the thing. I was focused on that. So come the race, I got onto the line and I did exactly that. 
I went off right off the bat. I collected six points and then I was, and then I died. Um, looking back, I wish I could have gotten one more point because how it came down to in that race was, uh, it was first place, six points, second place, six points, third place, six points. And it was three of us that all tied for first place. And the reason or how it, how it came down to was the final lap. Uh, on the final lap, you get three, three points for first, second place gets two points, uh, third place gets one point. The two guys came across the line on the last lap and tied me for first. So I was sitting in first the entire time in the race until that last couple meters when they hit that finish line. And that's when I took up third place. But it was just, it, I look back and I go, wow, I, I said what I was going to, I said to myself, I was going to win this race. And I technically did. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I took third and how we crossed the line, but I tied for first. I had the first mentality for the long time, but it was just like, wow, I just, I just achieved something that I've been saying to myself for two years now or a year and a half now, however long it was. But I kept on, I kept on going and I kept on saying, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to win this. And so with that, it was just like, awesome. Then come the road relay, uh, me and my, me and my two buddies, um, since I was one of the stronger forces on the, or dominant players on the road portion, but the coaching staff, Hey, said, Hey, Caleb, we're going to put you into the road, ra- road relay. Uh, we don't know how it's going to go down, but we want you and your, and these two guys. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do this. And so we make it through the first round. We get to the second round. We're like, okay, this is going to be tough and whatnot. We blow the second round out of the water. And we get to the third round, the final round, the finals. And it literally came down to a, about a foot or if not a half a meter uh, from getting a world championship mm. title. Mm. But it was just like, it, we took a second place home. But it was just like, wow, we just, we just went against some of the top sprinters and top endurance guys in the world. And as a team, we just came out with a silver medal. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. And so... It's just like these little things. It's it's awesome. It's these things that built up to that moment, built up to that year that changed us. And so it was it was just a great year for our team. And uh, being actually the first junior medal, junior distance medalist that year, uh, or medaling. How I should say this is in ten years we never medaled in juniors uh, in a distance race until. Mm-hmm. 2016 until when i did it, it was a 10 awesome. year metal drought and it was just like wow finally being mm-hmm. able to do that and say this is awesome this is great i just meddled in the junior race at worlds and in distance in 10 years that's incredible and so it's just it's just i love it man like that, that so. is so awesome and yeah just uh just just for the audience's sake let's do a little bit of math you were 19 at the time yep yeah. Okay. So that's, uh, that's pretty incredible. So congratulations to you on that one, man. I, I think that that is awesome. And then I know you also um, had a little something that you wanted to talk about again, go as deeper as shallow as you'd like, but about the, um, the, the Rio games and kind of what was going on there and, and uh, how uh, there, there yeah. was some stuff that went on again, you could say whatever you'd like. I always have the opportunity to edit it out. So don't worry, just go off and yep. I guess we'll see what sticks. Yeah. Oh boy. So it came down to this. Oof, what is it? Uh, last world championships in, uh, in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. we had two junior skaters that, um, actually they did, they did excellent. One became a world champion that year, or I should say this year. And mm-hmm. the other one medaled a couple of times in second and third. 
maybe even another third. Um, I forget how many medals she took home, but I think it was, two, it was between two and three. But anyways, uh, we knew that what was happening that year was it was people or kids were being picked for junior Olympics from this world championships. And so that these juniors knew what was at stake, not only just met racing for medals and winning, but also for making the junior Olympic team. And so we knew that the U S had 72 slots open for athletes to go to Rio. And what happened was they made, the, they made, they made the selection for going to Rio but then the U.S. said, or the USOC said, hey, we only have 72 spots and they're already filled up. And what happened was like, we're a new sport going into uh, the, the Junior Olympics. Why don't you want kids who uh, can help elevate our sport and give more um, emphasis on our sport at a Olympic level event? And so the U.S. just said, no, we're just not going to do it. We've already given our spots out and we won't do anything about it. We had our, our federation, not just the, our organization here in the U.S., but our federation for the world, just pounding the USOC and the IOC and saying, hey, we, need, we want the Americans there. We want more representation for this sport. Mm-hmm. And long story short, the USOC said, no, we're not going to do anything. We, can't, we're, we won't do anything. And I, and I don't know fully if they can't or... Mm-hmm if they could have yeah, yeah but at yeah. the time it was just like they didn't want to send anybody and that was how it was and it was just sad seeing two of our up-and-coming great athletes mm-hmm. not be able to go and represent our country at olympic level things and especially for a sport that's up and coming mm-hmm. exactly. especially for us for a sport that's been on the short list for years mm-hmm. of being picked for olympic games mm-hmm. it's just it's crazy it is yeah i mean especially something like that like you would want to see like obviously we all know that the junior olympics does not get the same amount of coverage but at the same time there still is coverage there still is opportunity to put your name out there to show some personality to show you know what your sport can do and you know if it did well here in the united states let's be honest we're a huge media market obviously um yeah so i mean if if it if numbers are driven here that means they're going to be driven around the world. So if it, if it does well here for the Junior Olympics, that would be a better indication to now for 2020 Tokyo if it makes sense to put it on and see what exactly. we can get out of it. So that just seems like a very backwards kind of way to do it. Um, I'm not here to bash the USOC. They kind of do that to themselves most of the time, so I don't really need to to bother. But uh, there's there's definitely a lot of things that I think are are very interesting. And as you said, it just comes down to politics. Um, it's a lot of this, not that. And as you said, you're not sure if they can, can't, won't, shouldn't, shorn, whatever it is. So it's a it's just a little disappointing. So, but going back to the Olympics, congratulations on everything that you've accomplished. But I think there's one more thing. Um, 2020 as you said we don't know as you told me off air but you know what what do you have to do and what does your sport have to do to try and convince whoever is voting on something like this i mean it is like a year and a half away now as of recording so i mean what what do you guys have you guys and girls have to do within in u.s inline speed skating and, and just inline speed skating in general to really get the the understanding that this should be an olympic sport you know, I, I've thought about that question many times. I've, I, I, I've pondered it. I've, I've even asked the organization here, what do we got to do? What, what's, what's the thing? And it, I always, it always seems like I'm in a loop. Like they say, oh, uh, this needs to be done. That needs to be done. That needs to be done. It's like, okay, well, why don't we fix those? And 
somehow, somehow, some way we fix them to a degree and all of a sudden, Oh, but we got to do that loop again. And we have to do this and we have to do that. We have to do that to please whoever. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, I remember hearing a statistic. Um, I don't know what year this was or how, how long ago it was, but I remember hearing this and it's always stuck with me. Speed skating or just skating in general was the number two sport in the world for the longest time, right behind soccer. Just because like, as you said, every kid can pick up a rollerblade mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just start skating. It was just something that's there. I mean, South America is really big. Um, Europe is really big. I mean, you can look at like the Berlin marathon. They had, I think five, four to 5,000 skaters there skating the marathon. Wow. myself included and that was probably one of the coolest events and they used to have 10,000 skaters there they used to have to cap it at 10,000 say so we can't take any more um but it's just it, when you look at this and you look at around the world every country is skating some way mm-hmm. somehow i see countries representing this all the time and for them to say you know we we don't want the sport right now it's just like okay so what's your reasoning mm-hmm. um we don't know their reasoning really i mean i think If I had to guess, I would say they think, oh, ice speed skating is enough. But Mm -hmm. it's like, well, ice speed skating is great. Two different years apart. Like, it's, I don't understand, like, why that wouldn't be. I mean, ice speed skating is a huge draw. Like, for whatever reason, everybody loves watching speed skating at the Olympics, right? So, yes. Why wouldn't we want to watch it in the summer, too? Like, I don't, I don't understand. It doesn't, exactly. You know, the logic doesn't seem Yeah, the crazy thing with that is like, you look at it and you go, okay, these are two completely different disciplines. Ice speed skating, you can't really touch. I'll, I'll do short track for this matter. Mm-hmm. You can't touch the person in front of you. From what I remember, that's against the rules or something like that. I mean, you can tap them if something happens, but whatever. You can't uh, move somebody, you can't push them or whatever. Speed skating, you have a lot more um, relaxed, I don't want to say relaxed rules, but a lot more uh, aggressiveness to it, a lot more mm-hmm. passing, a lot more risk taking and stuff like that. And you have different distances. And plus you have up to about 40 guys on a track in like over half the races. So you have those things, but it's just like, they don't want that type of thing. Or they, they say, uh, Oh, we have the sport in that's enough for us. And it's just like, well, you have a winter sport, as you mm-hmm. said, it's a winter sport and there's a summer sport. Why not give the option? Because I'm going to say that, and I, I truly believe this, I believe about 80% of all the inliners that have gone to ice, and especially all the successful ones, wish that inline was the Olympic sport over ice. And mm-hmm. that, to me, right there is something that speaks volume. If mm-hmm. you have guys, especially I'll, I'll use the U.S. guys, we have athletes in there that are only doing ice because that's the way to the Olympics. We have people that are doing that. And honestly – it's sad to hear that it really is, but it's, it's true. That's mm-hmm. the only thing we can do. Um, I mean, for myself, that's what I'm planning on doing because I have uh, inline doesn't inline doesn't cut it inline won't make it to the Olympics right now. Um, now considering Japan, I heard a rumor that Japan was actually going to put up. I don't, I, I don't know how to say this, but they were thinking about doing something for inline speed skating in Tokyo for mm-hmm. this, for the 2020. Very I don't cool. know what it's going to look like. Maybe it's just like an exhibition or something for it, but that's what I heard. And I really it, hope that's true. Even, even if it's that, I mean, that's the thing at this point, it seems like it would be very difficult to be able to add it in now. Right. Like, I mean, like you can do prelims and, and world championships can be the qualifiers or whatever you want to do. That part wouldn't really be difficult. It's 
the building of the arena, right? Like it's different than everything else. I don't think it's, you can just slap something down, you know, it's obviously something that's real. So, I mean, you know, obviously I've spoken with some, some uh, USA softball players and it's been voted back in and that happened a little while ago. So it's, it's kind of, you know, obviously if, if they can at least do the exhibition just to show like, Hey, there is legitimate athletes here. And there's also legitimate viewership because we have to be honest, it's viewership that drives yeah. a lot of this stuff, except for yes. the, the oldest of the oldest sports that are still around that no one watches, but they were in the first games. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be viewership that drives a lot of this stuff. So hopefully if, even if you get that, I think that would be incredible. And I mean, shoot, why not just give out medals while you're there, right? If first, second, third, still our first, second, yeah. third, I don't care. So exactly. I think that is, that is really cool. And yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully Caleb, if there's anything we can do and hopefully, uh, this little interview here, we'll just spread the word a little bit more. We'll get a couple extra people to understand, maybe look it up and see and feel what they got going on. So I think that that is pretty important. So um, awesome, man. And just the last thing I would like to talk about is you're kind of um, entrepreneur as well. You know, as I said in the beginning, check out your LinkedIn page. It'll be in the show notes. Everyone will be able to check that out. Um, but tell us about your health and wellness company. Tell us about your motivational speaking career path and everything you got outside of your uh, athletic career. Yeah. So, oh boy. I guess I'll start with um, the business side with the uh, health and wellness. You know, for me, I was, I, so I partnered with a company called CJ International. They're an amazing company, the, up, the upline support and the CEOs and just the backing that they have is amazing. I mean, one of my skin suits, the owner of the company said, hey, I'll make you a skin suit for fun. Just have you wear it. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no sponsorship deal with them or anything like that. I mean, that year they did give me some money for the world championships and mm-hmm. all that, which was awesome. But we don't, we don't really work on with sponsorships with them. But for me, it was just, it was cool to see the CEO going, Hey, I follow you on Facebook. I follow you on Instagram. I love seeing what you're doing around the world and keep it up. I, I you really, you really represent us really well. And I just love that. Um, but for me, it was just the reason why I got involved was not because of that, but because I saw that, health to me should be a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in athletics, I never really thought about health, like what I should eat, what I should do and stuff like that. So I just, I never really cared about it until a friend said, Hey, I, you really need to look at this stuff. And I said, okay, fine. I'll look at it. And I'll, I'll see what it does. And from there for three years now, I think I've been on just on a health journey, just trying to stay healthy. I mean, uh, we, I got sick this week. Uh, for the past three, four days, I was sick and a lot of my family got sick and they got, re- they got it really bad. For me, I only had a slight virus. For me, it was just a slight little sore throat and cough. And all of a sudden now, once we're doing this, it's just, everything's better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't say that it was just the products I was using, but, or, or not, but it was, it sure helped. And it sure helped that my immune system is really strong right now, that I'm an athlete, that I'm staying fit, that I'm always going and keep on pushing. But it's just to me, health never was a thing until now where it's like, okay, I have to start looking at the finer details of stuff and start getting into it. And that's mm-hmm. just changed my diet. That's changed my, just my lifestyle, really. I mean, then it also just incre- encouraged the entrepreneurship within me. I just, I always love business and I always like doing things like that. So having this in my back pocket was just fun to me. It was just meeting people from all different like, uh, walks of life. And then at the same time, meeting people who are on a health journey and that they see, oh my goodness, this guy's a Team USA athlete. This is awesome. I get to meet him. So it's, I get to chat with them and get to show, share my story and whatnot. Um, but no, that, that, that was something that was just so cool. 
And it's also led me on to a lot of more of the public speaking events mm-hmm. and stuff where I've talked to um, not, not like hundreds of people, but just small groups and uh, a little larger than small groups of about 30, 40 people and just inspiring them, helping them to see a better, better, better look at their life or in a certain area that they might be struggling in and to just go with the positives. Because again, I, I'm a strong, strong believer in the mental game. I've always struggled with it my entire life. But it wasn't, this, it wasn't until this past year where I really said, I've got to fix this. I've mm-hmm. got to figure out my mental game. And so for me, mental game is something big. And I know, and to explain mental game a little bit, uh, to me, it's how we think, how we mm-hmm. act, and what we do. It's all, it's all tied in with four things. The emotions, the physical the mental and the spiritual side all four of those connect together to make our uh, mental game and so for me it's just designing and uh, figuring out where I want to go and how to help people that way so for me public speaking is just inspiring others and empowering others I mean you see these top athletes the top Olympic athletes or even just world championship or world champions just speaking and it's just like wow they've gone through so much in their life and they're just giving back so the public speaking thing the uh, motivational speaking is just to get back to people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, and that's, that's honestly what I love doing. I love seeing these kids saying, Hey, I want to be like you one day. I want to go to the world championships and I want to medal." And I'm like, you can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you, you just have to, be, you have to believe and you have to do the correct activities. Everything works together in fine details and it's putting everything together in a puzzle. And one thing doesn't fit in one slot. You got to take it out and put in another piece. Oh, that one doesn't fit. No. Okay. Take it out. Oh, that one fits. Good. You got a piece in the puzzle. Mm-hmm. You've learned it. You've put it in. It's stuck. And so for me, it's just like, okay, help these people and help myself at the same time. Because what you teach also solidifies mm-hmm. who you are and what you do. I'm, I'm another strong believer in that. My coach has said that to me many years. He said, you know, what you teach these kids is going to be around and you're going to learn it even more and more and more. So mm-hmm. with that, I just... I love speaking. I love talking. I love inspiring and empowering people. I love it, man. No, I mean, just, just to that last point you made, um, I've always been told the best way to learn is to teach, right? Because you have to tell it in someone else's point of view, or you have to explain it better from your point of view. So that was, that's always something that I've truly believed in as well. And going back to the health aspect of just, I guess, like humans, it's, it's very surprising how much people don't care about health and it's very i mean i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and and on a high horse and say i'm the healthiest person on earth but i mean i eat a bunch of green stuff i try not to eat processed food because it's crap watch out for sugar like there's some very easy things you can do and and also everything in moderation don't like drink eight cups of coffee a day like that's just silly (laughs) drink one drink two like everything in moderation you should be fine um so that's kind of how i live my life and i like to think i'm I'm a little healthier than the next guy so um it is and then yeah the mental mental aspects i'm i'm a firm believer of your thoughts turn to actions um subconscious unconscious thoughts really do turn to action so making sure that you can train your brain to think of the positives and not the negatives so that way when you're in a situation or you're doing something you're doing the right thing and you're not falling back on the wrong things um so no man we definitely definitely vibing on that i love i love the way you think and unfortunately i'm not an elite athlete um 
but I'll get over it. It's cool. I like talking to people. So I'll just keep doing what I'm doing on this side. So hopefully we can find a little synergy there, but, um, Caleb, this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, that's about all I got. If you're cool, I'm cool. Caleb Wakefield, USA inline speed skating, Olympic hopeful. I mean, the whole sport is Olympic hopeful, if we're being honest. Um, but specifically, <laughs> Caleb, we think he, uh, he's got a pretty solid shot. So, Caleb, thank you so much for hanging out with us today, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me, Michael. It was a blast. And, you know, again, people just – you have to believe. You have to keep on believing. You have to keep on going no matter what happens. You got to believe. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too, buddy. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Caleb Wakefield. As I said, he's been doing some pretty incredible things. Very excited that I got the opportunity to speak with him. And in the beginning, as I said, go follow him on all of his socials because he gets me pepped up every single day to just live life and do the right thing. So do uh, follow him on all his. Make sure to follow us, if you don't mind, at ourathletes.us on Instagram, at ourathletesusa.com on Twitter and make sure to share this episode with your friends. Um, because as I said, Caleb's a pretty incredible dude. He's got some amazing things going on, but there are some other athletes out there uh, that we've been able to interview and speak with that have some pretty cool stories as well. So, uh, like subscribe, share, comment, rate, review, do whatever you have to do. Um, it'll take you two seconds and I sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. So thank you so much for listening to this episode and I hope you have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.